All right, good morning. Great to see you all here this morning. If you're visiting this morning that uh, Connect, it's great to have you here. My name's Dave. I'm the lead pastor. Thanks so much for coming. I hope you'll come again and again. Uh, but I will tell you that this morning's service is a little bit different than normal. Uh, it, it fits right in with a series that we're doing uh, called Losing Your Marbles. And maybe you're here this morning thinking, that's why I came, because I am losing my marbles. Uh, you're in the right place. Uh, you're amongst friends here. Um, but the series, Losing Your Marbles, is about the impact that we can have in the life of a child. Uh, the difference that we can make in our own children, our grandchildren, nieces, nephews, whatever it may be, how we can make a difference. We've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks. We're going to continue on over the next couple of weeks. But today, right in the center of this series... Is a perfect opportunity because today, churches around the United States, even around the world, are uh, pushing the pause button and taking a moment or taking the whole service to, to bring congregations to the attention um, of Compassion International. Today is Compassion Sunday. It's a Sunday that, uh, like I said, Compassion sets aside for many churches to be able to share about their ministry. And if you've not heard of Compassion International, we're going to tell you a little bit about them today. They're an organization that makes a huge difference in the life of children. And I thought it was a perfect opportunity to speak about this because in the midst of our series where we're speaking about how we can make the difference in the life of a child, every one of us can make the difference in the life of a child across this globe. We may have children of our own, maybe our children have grown up and, and moved out. Wherever we find ourselves, this is an opportunity for us to make the difference in the life of a child. You know, you'll see here on our little display, we had um, week one, we introduced some of the top 10 toys of all time. I think somebody's been at Mr. Potato Head. He doesn't look in great shape right now. But um, these marbles we introduced you to as well. If you were here on week one, we spoke about the fact that this particular jar contains 936 marbles. 900. Yep, it's still 936. I was just checking. They're all still in here. And, and these marbles... They represent, every marble represents a week. And every week represents the 936 weeks that a from the time a child is born to the time that child turns 18 and, and graduates, maybe moves out of home and begins their life as an adult. So it's kind of a stark reminder to some of us as parents. I've had some parents come up to me and say, I'm not enjoying this because my jar is, is already depleting. I don't like how quickly my marbles are disappearing. But that's the whole idea behind the series is that we want to make sure that time doesn't disappear, that we make the best use possible of that time. So we gave out marbles on week one. If you didn't get one, you like one. There are some available at the back. Don't touch my jar. There's some at the back there that are available, okay? I still carry mine in my pocket um, to remind me personally as a dad, you know, the value of time I have with my kids. But maybe you're here and you're a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt, wherever you find yourself, every one of us has the opportunity to make the difference somehow in the life of a child. But this morning we're going to talk not about the kids directly in our lives, but kids that we may never get to meet, but kids whose lives we can impact. Because you see, this organization, Compassion International, I've known about them for a long time. Uh, as a family, we've been involved with this particular organization for a while. And compassion exists to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. That's their, their philosophy as a ministry, to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. 
We've actually, um, Case and I and the family, we've sponsored a child for many years, a, a young lady in Bolivia. And I'll tell you more about what that entails a little bit later on. But um, we were just really impressed by all the material that came through, by the correspondence, by the, the marketing. You know, it just seemed to be a really good company. And then a couple of years ago, I actually had the opportunity to travel to Ecuador with a group of pastors and, um, and go on a trip uh, to see what Compassion was doing in Ecuador. And it was amazing to, to have my eyes open and realize this organization that I only kind of saw, um, you know, on, on face value like this, when I got to see kind of behind the curtain what they were doing actually on the ground, it just reinforced every belief I had that this is an amazing organization. And then I actually had the privilege, um, not last summer, but the summer before, to, to be at a conference. And at this particular conference, one of the speakers who spent time with a small group of us pastors, his name was Wes Stafford. And Wes Stafford at that time was the CEO of Compassion and had been so for 20 years. And hearing him speak to us and, and share his passion and his vision to, to rescue children from poverty, to impact the lives of children, was just amazing. He was such a great guy. He talked about how he's traveled the world. He's eaten with the richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor. He's the CEO of this huge organization, but there he was, sat in this small room with us, just in a, a pair of jeans and a shirt, looking real casual. It, it wasn't a plaid shirt, it was a plain shirt, but it, other than that, he seemed to be a really good guy. And he was just sharing with us his, his heartbeat for compassion and why he enjoys it so much. He talked about how he believed that God had positioned to him to help break the cycle of poverty in the most vulnerable people group in the world. And that's children. He told a story about how um, he's been working with Compassion now for 34 years. 20 of those years were as the CEO, the, the um, uh, chief of the whole organization. But he kind of worked his way up. When he first started, he was just kind of a, an errand boy, really. And he was actually working in Haiti. And he says, you know, I was there and I was kind of running errands. And one of my jobs every day, he said, was to, um, to drive into town and to park up and then walk across town to the post office and deliver all of the mail and pick up all of the mail. And I would do this several times each week. He said, because I do this so often, I got to, to, get to know people in that area. He would drive into Port-au-Prince, the capital area of Haiti, a, a poverty-stricken country. He says, I walked the streets, I would see examples of poverty everywhere I went. One of the first stops he would make on that little walk he would take every time he was in town was Kentucky Fried Chicken. Not to stop and eat, it was the only fast food restaurant in Haiti at the time in this particular city. But he said to stop because normally behind the restaurant, there was this exhaust fan that just kind of wafted out fried chicken. And he'd always find a group of boys and girls just sat there under that fan because they loved the smell. These were kids that didn't get to eat on a regular basis. These were kids who were battling hunger. He said he remembers one of the kids telling him one day that as he was eating bread, the only real meal he was going to get that day, he said, if you sit under the fan and eat your bread, it tastes like fried chicken. And he said that day there was a new boy there that he'd not met before, and this little boy's name was Jean. And he said as he left to, to carry on his journey, Jean came with him. And Jean walked alongside him and, and watched Wes Stafford as he interacted with the different people that he would meet every day on this walk to the post office. The first lady he came across was a lady who would sell peanuts for 10 cents a sack. And he would stop and, and buy a bag of peanuts from her. He'd give her a dollar bill. 
And as she was trying to make change, he was, always walking, he was already walking away. And then a little bit further down the street, he would come across a, a, a crippled man who would be there begging very often, was always hungry. He says he would always give him the peanuts to make sure he had something to eat. He said a little bit further on, there'd be a, a little guy there on the street who'd be shining shoes for 20 cents a time. He said, I love to get my shoes shined. He goes, at 20 cents, I'd get my shoes shined five times a day. He said, because each time I got five or 10 minutes of just close interaction with a little boy or a little girl or an older man in that community, and I got to talk to them and tell them how precious they were in God's sight. He said, you know, I had the shiniest tennis shoes in that town. <laughs> he said he gave the guy the 20 cents and he moved on to the next person. On the way back from the post office, he would stop a Kentucky Fried Chicken. He'd buy the biggest box of chicken nuggets he could buy. And then he'd go around the back and he'd sit with all those boys and girls and they'd just share out those chicken nuggets and, and he'd eat the nuggets with all those little boys and girls. Then after that, he would head back to his car and he said, that wasn't the last person I came across. When I would get to my car, inevitably, there'd be a little boy there or a little girl who'd washed my car. There was a, a, a water, sewage water that would flow down and into a ditch and they would just scoop up the water and wash the car. He says inevitably it kind of, you'd be peeling off mango leaves, things like that. But uh, this little boy was stood there with his hand out. He said, 20 cents for washing your car? He said he gave him a dollar and he gave him a big hug. He said, my car looks fantastic. You are a hardworking young man. Thank you very much. I've never seen my car look so good. And then Jean, his new little friend, he gave him a hug and said, goodbye, I, I hope to see you again on my next trip into town. And he got into his car to drive away. And my staff had told us that at that point, there was like a little tap on the window. And he looked up and there was Jean, this little boy, and, and he, was, he was motioning to lower the window. So Wes Stafford lowered the window and he said in his, his little Creole accent and language, he said, Monsieur, est-ce que Jésus... He said, mister, are you Jesus? He said at that point, he realized the impact he was having. He said, I've told this story several times. My sister has heard me tell this story. She said, she's very quick to point out how wrong that boy was. I'm about as far from Jesus as you can get. But in the eyes of that child, at that moment, he was genuinely asking because he'd never seen behavior like this before. Now, of course, he wasn't. He was an ordinary guy just like you and me. But in the eyes of Jean that day, when he saw the kindness that he demonstrated, the compassion, the love, he was Jesus personified. In that moment, that little boy got to see Jesus alive in him. Because you see, I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus loves children. Jesus loved children. You know, there were, there were four guys who wrote about the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Luke, um, one of the writers, tells a story of a time when um, there was a crowd of people who wants to see Jesus. And, and there were some children who were kind of trying to push through the, the legs of the adults to get to see Jesus. And, and the disciples saw this, and they were shooing them away, saying, you guys, you need to get back, okay, because Jesus only has time for the grown-ups. They're the important ones that Jesus needs to see. And Jesus was aware that this was going on and, and he halted the disciples in their tracks. And listen to what he said. 
in Luke chapter 18, verse 16. But Jesus calls the children to him, and he says, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus loved spending time with these little children in a culture where children were not important. Children were were not to be out and about amongst the adults. Jesus said, no, bring the children to me. Children are amazing. So on this day, this Compassion Sunday, that's the question I want to ask all of us here this morning. Will you be Jesus? Will you be Jesus in the life of a child? We're talking about impacting the lives of, of children in our lives, children that we're directly in contact with. And for many of us, as we've looked at this jar of marbles, we've, we've identified who that might be in our life. Maybe we're a parent here this morning, and our jar's still pretty full. Our kids are still young enough. Maybe we're a parent, and, and our kids have grown up and moved on, and we're thinking now more of grandparents, grandchildren. It could be nephews or nieces. Maybe you're a, a, a teacher here this morning or you work in your, your career with children. And for you, it's far more than just a career to pay the bills. You do this because you have a passion to make the difference in the lives of children. Maybe you're a coach here this morning. Maybe you coach a sport and you just get to hang out with some kids and kick a soccer ball or hit a baseball. And, and for you, it's more than just helping out on your son or your daughter's team. You can remember that coach that spoke words of life over you when you were a kid, that coach who believed in you, that coach who you looked forward to seeing you because he always had a smile and he always knew your name. So whatever the child is in your life that you can make a difference in, I want you to just kind of step back from that just for a moment because this morning I want to challenge you and ask you, would you be willing to invest in the life of a child that you may never meet? To invest in the life of a child who right now lives in poverty. A child who, just because of where he or she was born, will face struggles growing up, the likes of which you and I will never, ever face in our lifetimes. Will you be Jesus to a child like that this morning? You know, compassion um, helps us when we're preparing these Sundays, and they send all sorts of beautiful pictures like this one, and they also send statistics. I learned this week that a billion children, nearly half of the world's children, live in poverty. Hundreds of millions of um, children live in extreme poverty. 19,000 children die each day due to conditions of poverty. 640 million children have no adequate shelter. And 67 million children in our world today, between the ages of 5 and 11, will never ever get to attend school. Now, I realize here this morning that numbers like this are are so hard for us to comprehend because we are so blessed, aren't we? We live in this wonderful nation of America. And to us, this is normal. As we look around, this this is our world. This is all that we know. But in actual fact, being born in America put us in the minority. Most of the world isn't like this wonderful place in which we live. Do you know what I discovered this week? I discovered this week that if you're here this morning and you earn $35,000 or more, you are one of the top richest 1% in the world. That puts you in the top 1% richest people. I can see some of our younger members out there, kind of the lights going on. They're thinking, you know, last week I asked Dad about that iPhone. He said we couldn't afford it, but... Wait till I tell him that he's one of the richest people in the world. We're going to have that conversation again. 
We are, when we look at the world, we are, we are so rich. We're so wealthy beyond imagination. And here's the, here's the problem this morning. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, if you're here and you've made a decision to say, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, then it creates a little bit of a dilemma when we start to read these statistics. And you know who creates this dilemma for us? It's Jesus. Jesus does. Because um, I told you earlier about a story that Luke tells. There's another story that Matthew tells. And, and he tells this story of Jesus teaching one day. And it's, it's in Matthew 25. It's towards the end of Jesus' um, time on earth before he's going to be crucified. And I think now the things he's telling his disciples is kind of heating up a little bit. He realizes there's not long left. So he starts to get a little bit more serious with some of the things he's talking about. And in this particular instance, he's talking a little bit about judgment. He's saying, listen, there's a time that's going to come where every one of us will be assessed on how we lived our lives. If we're followers of Jesus, um, there will be an assessment. There will be a, a, um, an, a look at how we've lived our lives. And he said it'll be a little bit like a shepherd who has sheep and goats. And there'll come a time when that shepherd will, will separate the sheep from the goats. And listen to how Jesus explains that separation will take place. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 34, it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Now, when I read that, I thought of us. I thought of the, the blessing that we have to live in this wonderful country, to live in this, this great place of freedom with, these, with all the opportunities we have. And, and really, you, you may not feel it this morning, but all the wealth we have compared to the rest of the world just because we were fortunate enough to be born here. So when I read that and I, I read and say, come you who are blessed, I feel like that's us he's speaking to. Blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will, will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and, and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When do we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then the king, Jesus, will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it me. That's a challenge for us this morning if we are followers of Jesus because he's saying, listen, when you did that to one of the least of these, you were doing it to me. One day we'll all be asked, what did you do for the least of these? And I can't think of any that qualify more as the least of these than children who are born into poverty. So how can we make a difference this morning in the life of a child? How can we make the difference in the life of a child born into poverty somewhere in this world? There's a couple of ways that I want to tell you about this morning. And, and um, the great thing is that both of them are very um, heavily tied into not just compassion that we've been speaking about, but Connect Church as well. This isn't just a one-off, we're going to talk about this ministry, then we'll get back to... This is completely linked with us right here in Washington and in Connect Church. And I'll explain why here in just a second. So the organization Compassion, the word is wonderful because just the word itself, Compassion, it means to suffer with or to feel with. 
And the organization was founded upon that, that thought back in 1952. For the last 14 consecutive years, um, an organization called Charity Navigator that assesses charities for their credibility, it's given them their highest rating of four stars, putting them in the top 1% of all ch charities that they assess. Compassion determined very early on that, that child sponsorship is one of the most strategic ways to end child poverty. And you know, they're very distinct because they're not the only organization out there that, that does child sponsorship, but, but what they do is fairly unique to Compassion because everything they do is Christ-centered and church-based. Christ-centered and church-based. What that means is that they will only work in areas, there are areas all over the world where children are living in poverty, but Compassion will only go in and set up a child development center, a center where they can care for children living in poverty. They'll only do that if they can partner with a local church on the ground. So because of that, it actually becomes almost a hindrance because where there are areas where there are children living in poverty, um, but there's no local church, compassion can't yet go into that area and help. Sadder still, there may actually be a pastor in that community ready to lead a church. There are children in poverty that compassion can help. But literally the only thing stopping them there is, is there isn't just the bricks and, and mortar of the physical church itself. Now, I learned all about this a couple of years ago when I made that trip with compassion. Me and these pastors, we got to go down to a, a country in South America called Ecuador. And while in Ecuador, we, we got to see some of these amazing buildings. In fact, I've got a couple of pictures here I'm going to show you. This is a, a picture of the church itself. It's kind of pretty basic compared to what we may be used to, but let's have a look at the whole area. It's like a, a, a panoramic shot there. That's the child development center. There's bathrooms, there's a kitchen, there's classrooms there, so they feed the children. There's a church where the families get to come along to church. So there are communities in Ecuador right now that have children in need, that have a pastor, and literally all they lack is this. And I discovered on that trip that for that to happen... The only thing standing in the way is the cost, and the cost is $80,000. $80,000 gets you all of that. Do you know, I remember standing, I took that picture, I remember standing there thinking, man, back where I live, there are some lots that people are buying to build their houses on that are almost <laughs> that price. And $80,000, you could build a whole church. And I remember leaving thinking, God, I want Connect Church to be able to, to help some of these local communities by building one of these buildings. I, wanna, I, I really believe that you've blessed us in Washington. This could be something that we could, we could make a difference in miles away. So I had this dream and I thought, I, God, I, I, I think you could do miracles, but I'm not sure that we at Connect can do $80,000. That's, that's just a little bit beyond my, my level of faith there, God. But maybe if I could find maybe three other churches, we could all raise $20,000 each. Maybe four of us churches could get together and, and we could all raise $20,000 each. Now, I'll be honest with you, even that, when I came uh, with that idea, was like, man, even that I'm not sure if we can do. 
But I went for it anyway. So this time last year, if you were at Connect, you'll remember we had a sun, Sunday very similar to this where we talked about compassion. And we said, um, we want to raise $20,000. And we took up an offering that day. And, and since then, we've done some other things. We've had some activities that we've served at. And we were able to raise some money through that. Um, some people throughout the year have given checks in the offering and said, hey, listen, this isn't my normal offering. I want to give a little bit more. And I want this to go specifically to that church that we're trying to build in Ecuador. Every Sunday when we take our regular offering, you know that so many of you are so gracious and giving to on a regular basis. We set a little bit of that aside every week for church planting, and some of this was going to go towards the plant in Ecuador. And I'm thrilled to tell you this morning that one year on, just days before Compassion Sunday, this last week, I got to mail a check for $20,000 down to the organization in Ecuador. And... <laughs> And we were actually the last of the four churches. So they were literally, now they've got it, the, the project is complete. So in May, they will break ground. I say break ground. I'm not sure if they do break ground. I think they just build on the ground. But, but they will start the project. And I spoke to them this week, and, and they said that the timeline is that six to eight months from now, this building will be up and running and reaching kids in that community and making a difference in an area. And I was thinking, man, that couldn't have happened if it wasn't for you. Some of you may not have even realized this, but you've been investing in a church and the lives of children thousands of miles away. So the city that our church is going to be built in is called Esmeraldas, Ecuador. I've put a picture of it up here on the map because I know you all know Ecuador very well, but you may not know specifically where uh, Esmeraldas is. So that's where Ecuador is in South America. And then the northwest corner, right there at the very top near the border of Colombia, is this city. And, and we're going to give you updates throughout the year of the progress of that and more about that community. I already know the name of the pastor who's going to be leading that church. And Compassion have told me that by the end of the year, they'll have somewhere between 150 and 200 children in that Church and Children Development Center working together, and that couldn't have happened had it not been for you. And I'm so excited that you were able to help do that. Do you know, I, um, one of the questions I probably get asked the most, if I'm out in the community, sometimes here on a Sunday morning, uh, we're a new church. We started in September of 2013. We're a church plant ourselves. And uh, in case you hadn't noticed, we, we meet in a middle school which is uh, unlike some other churches. So the question I get asked the most is, when are you guys going to build a building? I'm so excited because in about six months' time, I can say, we've built one. <laughs> it's in Esmeraldas, Ecuador. It's a great church. There are people that meet there every week. And, uh, and, I, and I'm excited because I tell you what, we can build a lot more church in Esmeraldas, Ecuador than we can in Washington, Illinois. <laughs> and do you know what else I want to say? I want to say, and we're going to build another one. Because maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, oh man, I didn't know that we were doing this. If I'd known that, I would have given towards that project. So, so for you, we're going to do it again. I'm going to give you a chance to give. So I was thinking and praying a lot about this over the last couple of weeks because I knew today would come. And um, I, I, I want to set that same challenge. I want to try and raise another $20,000. Right now, I've got some friends who are working with pastors around the country to try and find me three other churches that we can uh, align with again to do this. But this time we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to up the ante a little bit. And this time our goal is to raise it not by this time next year, but by the end of 2015. And I'll explain why we're going to do that at the end of the service. But uh, my goal is to have this raised by the end of the year. And we're going to kick off that project today. 
We're going to take up an offering right now that's going to start that ball rolling. So I'm going to ask the ushers. They're going to start to make their way forward here. But before you, uh, you give, you can get ready. If you've got a check, you can make it out to connect and just write compassion. Um, we'll give you some other opportunities. Um, there's a, uh, actually, well, let's put that slide up now. If you didn't come this morning ready to give, whether it's cash or check, we actually have an option now that we've set up where you can just text the word connect to 77977. And uh, it'll ask you to pop in your debit card info or your credit card info. And you can make a gift on your smartphone this morning. So there is nothing to stop you if you want to be able to give this morning. But can I challenge you with this over and above this offering? Because this is what's just going to start the ball rolling. I want us to to dream as a a community together over the next six or eight months. What can we do as as small groups? Or what can we do as a family? Or what can we do to, to, maybe it's a garage sale and we're going to take some of the proceeds Excuse me, I think it's because I said garage instead of garage. <laughs> the American in me. So um, maybe you'll do a garage sale and you'll say, hey, some of the proceeds I want to put towards that project that Connect's doing to build that church. Maybe some of you young guys who are holding those baskets right now, all four of you young guys, maybe you'll be mowing some lawns this summer and you can think, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of money I raise from cutting the grass and I'm going to put that towards that project. Maybe it's a gift for a birthday, and you say, you know what, I don't give gifts this year. Would you, would you give some money to connect on behalf of this? Because I want to see this church built, because I know there are more children that we can reach. So, Father, I just thank you for this opportunity right now to give. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that this money will, will, will be raised. Lord, I've I got to be honest with you, God. I know that this goal of $20,000 is an audacious one for a small, new church like us, God. But I believe that you've put people in this church, Lord, who have a heart to impact the lives of people, not just here, but all over the world. So I believe that together with them, um, we'll be able to do this, God. And, and we'll be sharing some more exciting news next year of another location with another church that's been built thanks to the wonderful people of Washington, Illinois, and the surrounding communities. So bless this offering and bless the people I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so that's, that's the first way that you can give. This is just one opportunity. The guys are going to continue to pass the baskets as I continue on speaking here. Um, so and we're going to continue talking about that throughout the year. We'll, we'll still set aside some of the money from our offering each week. There'll be other opportunities throughout the year to give. Maybe there'll be times to get involved in a project where um, the funds raised will be put towards this particular um, goal. But I want to share just one other way that you can be involved in impacting the life of a child through the organization of compassion. And maybe this is something that you as an individual or you as a family could embrace together. You see, I talked about this earlier that Casey and I had sponsored a child. And we had for many years, we've had um, a little girl by the name of Maria. She's actually 17 years old now. She lives in Bolivia. And we've been supporting her over years now. She's gone from being a child to a, to a young adult. And it's been awesome for us to be able to communicate with her and have letters back from her and know that she's praying for us and we're praying for her. And we love doing that. And maybe as a family this morning, you could um, sponsor a child. You know, the thing I love about this is that for $38 a month, you can sponsor a child. That money goes towards feeding, educating, caring for that child. And it's not some generic thing where um, it's just a a random thing and you've got a picture of a kid and there's 10 people that are sending money to that kid. They, They literally place one child with you and that's your child. And you get to communicate with them and they'll communicate back and and your money will go to help that boy or that girl. 
I actually, um, as I say, I got to travel down to um, South America, to Ecuador, this couple of years ago. And at that time, we only had one child sponsor. But in one of the areas I went to, where that church was, where I took the picture, they told us that there were still many children in that area that Compassion has identified for sponsorship, but hadn't yet been sponsored. I remember being with those pastors and going to this particular home and looking out from this family's home at the, the village, the area that they lived, and just seeing this um, poverty that really you've only seen on TV or in pictures before and, and realizing this is, this is life for some people. Families of four, five, six people living in these small huts, bamboo houses. And I got to meet this family that lives in one of these homes. You'll see them here. There's me, some of the pastors, and, and these, this young lady and the, the kids in front of her. And this little guy here in the middle, his name was Luis with the white shirt. And I just really enjoyed chatting with Luis. He was a, a fun little guy. And, and I talked to the compassion people, and they said, yeah, right now he's on the list, and no one has sponsored him. Yeah, I said, is there any way I could sponsor him? I, I checked with Casey. I texted her, and she's like, yeah, that'd be great. And they said, we'll have to try and find his packet. But they were able to track down his packet. And they said, yeah, he's available for sponsorship. So we made the decision that day that we were going to add Luis to our compassion sponsorship. And it was such an amazing experience. I got to hang out with him for a day. He came back to the hotel that we were staying at with some of the other children that other pastors had sponsored. We got to swim in the pool and go down to the beach and play soccer. He loved to play soccer, so I knew I'd got the right guy in Luis. I mean, they just, when we were playing soccer, I was like, yeah. And then he said he wants to pick some shells. He wants to pick out some shells. I told him all about Casey and my children. He says, I want to get a shell for every one of your family. So we spent about half an hour because he would pick up a shell. He'd say, no, that's no good. No, that one's not. And then he'd finally say, this one, this one's for your wife. She'll love this shell. And here in this jar that we keep in our living room are our five shells. And Luis, there was a story behind every single one that he found. And I got to come home and tell my kids, Ben, this is the one that Luis picked for you. And Emma, this is the shell that he said he thought you would really like. And it was just amazing to be able to connect with this little guy. And the coolest thing is, and, 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 and I want to change this morning, there are, there are packets there this morning, and what I've done is I've asked Compassion if they could just um, send us children from Ecuador. I really feel that God's given us an opportunity to impact this country. And the reason being, because maybe this morning you'll feel challenged to, to take a packet and say, I want to experience that, I want to sponsor a child, I want to help a child in need. And you've got two opportunities, the packets you can take today and you can start right now, but there's sign-up sheets as well. And the reason there's sign-up sheets is because you can sign your name on the sign-up sheet instead, or as well as, but, but come December, when that church is built and fully operational, they'll release the packets from the church that we helped build. And maybe you'd like to say, I want to sponsor a child, but I want to sponsor a child that's in that church, knowing that Connect Church helped build the church, and now I'm sponsoring a child in that community. That's why if we can raise the funds by the end of this year, next year on Compassion Sunday, we'll be able to release packets from the new church that we've built this year. That's why we're moving the date up a little bit. So let me close out this morning just with one last story. And um, this was a story that Wes Stafford told in the value of why it's important to make the difference in the life of a child like this. He said he was on a trip to Uganda and while he was there, he met a young lady by the name of Margaret. And Margaret worked for the government. 
She was actually quite high up in the government, a very important per- person. And, and she shared how one of her responsibilities in this position that she's in is to, to be an advocate for the rights of women, to help women in Uganda who are being mistreated and abused, and to be a voice for them and to try and bring about change in that country. He said he was super impressed by this mission that this lady had embarked upon. But he was even more amazed when she said, Mr. Stafford, I need to tell you. I need to tell you that I myself am a compassion child. When I was a child in the little village that I lived in, compassion came along and they partnered with a church in our community and someone sponsored me as a child. And she would talk about the letters that she would get from her sponsor. And she said, Mr. Stafford, I want you to see this. And she reached into her purse and she pulled out a letter that she'd been sent when she was eight years old from her sponsor, who she still to this day has never got to meet. But she read this letter, a letter she received from one of her sponsors. And in the letter, it said, Margaret, I'm so happy to meet you. And I want you to know that you matter. You matter to God and you matter to me and I believe you're going to grow up and bless your world. She said, I've kept this letter since I was eight years old. Josh talked about it last week, the idea of words over time and the power of words and someone who took a packet like these ones this morning sent some words to a little girl in Uganda and she's now working for the government, making a difference in people's lives because someone stepped in and helped rescue her from poverty in Jesus' name. I believe we can make that kind of difference in this nation of Ecuador. I want to challenge you to think about that this morning. As I pray now, we're going to close out the packets that are at the back. You can check out the packets. You could sponsor a child today with one of the packets, or you could sign up and wait till December for when this uh, area and Esmeraldas, where we're building this church, when those children become ready and you can sponsor then. But either way, would you uh, pray with me this morning and ask if this is something that you as an individual or a family can, um, can take on. God, I just thank you for this opportunity for us to give. Lord, maybe straight away we've started to think about the ramifications financially. Maybe in the offering this morning it was, can I afford to give? Maybe this $38, can I afford? But Lord, we've, we've discovered this morning that we live in a nation where we are blessed to be some of the wealthiest in the world. And maybe we don't realize that at times because we look at the areas of need in our life. But when we line ourselves up against um, people living in poverty around the world, we realize how blessed we are. And Lord, the reality is that poverty is a terrible thing, but the ones that are affected by it the most are the children, weak, innocent children. And Lord, we have a different, an opportunity this morning to make a difference in the life of a child. So I pray for any Lord that might feel that this is something they want to do, that you would give them the means to do it, that this could be something that they could do and they would realize, man, this is making the difference in the life of a child, a child I may never meet, but a child whose life I will be able to change forever. I ask this in Jesus' name.